Let's make sure we have that on. Do I need to flip the switch, Connie? Yes? Yes. Yes. You're on in the booth, and I have to see where the switch is with my good old 52-year-old eyes. There you go. You're on. Thank you. This is called Big Mama Makes the World. It's by Phyllis Root, kids' book, of course. It's hard to show you the pictures from the mic, so you can look at it later. When Big Mama made the world, she didn't mess around. There was water, water everywhere, and Big Mama saw what needed to be done, all right. So she rolled up her sleeves and went to it. Wasn't easy either, with that little baby sitting on her hip. Didn't stop Big Mama, though. Not for a minute. Light, said Big Mama. And you better believe there was light. Dark, said Big Mama. And there was dark, just as big as the light. You two got work to do, Big Mama said. Don't you be fooling around, none. Then she looked at the light, and she looked at the dark, and she looked at that little baby, smiling and cooing. And Big Mama said, that's good. That's real good. And that's how the first day went by. So there's a part for you, and you'll know when it comes. Next day, Big Mama looked around. Can't tell my up from my down, said Big Mama. Better have some sky here. And there it was. One big sky wrapping over everything, soft and blue as a baby's blanket. Wasn't much else yet but water and light and dark and sky, all doing what Big Mama wanted them to do. And Big Mama, she was pleased, all right. And what'd she say? That's good. That's That's real good. good. (laughs) That's how the second day went by. Next day, Big Mama looked around some more and she said, Got me some light, got me some dark, but I still can't tell what time of day it is. How am I going to know when it's morning, evening, time to put the baby down for a nap? Big Mama, she wanted to know, all right. And anything Big Mama wants... Big Mama gets. That's just how it goes. Son, said Big Mama, you take care of this day business for me. Moon, said Big Mama, you take care of the night. Big Mama made the stars, too, just in case old moon overslipped sometime. Big Mama looked at the sun and the moon and the stars filling up her sky just in time for a little baby's nap. And Big Mama nodded, and she smiled, and she said, That's That's good. That's That's real real good. And that's how the third day went by. Next morning, Big Mama got up with the sun, and she said, I need a place to put my feet down when they need putting down. She knew there'd be some foot putting down when that baby of hers got to growing more. Earth, said Big Mama, get over here. And it did. Oh, one big ball of mud it was. Nothing much to look at. Baby liked it all right, just the way it was. But Big Mama wasn't finished yet. Need some grass to wriggle my toes in, said Big Mama. 
Some big old shade trees were hanging a hammock. Papayas and oranges and boysenberries for eating on. That's how it was then. Just like Big Mama said. Little baby sucking on a mango and grass and trees and fruit all over the place. Like somebody tipped over a fruit stand. Big Mama, she looked at all that earth and she said, That's good. That's real good. And that's how the fourth day went by. Lots of folks would be penny, plenty pleased. But Big Mama, she didn't quit a job till it's done and done right. Big Mama looked down at all that water and earth and trees and sky and sun, moon and stars, and she said, I'll go quiet down there. Better have some whales and some birds and some fish. That's exactly what happened, all right. Pretty soon there was more whales and catfish and mockingbirds and crows than a little baby could shake his stick at, which a little baby could do if that little baby had wanted to since Big Mom had already made those trees full of sticks. <laughs> Big Mama looked at all that action and she said, That's good. That's real good. And that's how the fifth day went by. Big Mama was about ready to be done with it all. Making a world was a lot of work. What with the laundry piling up and the dishes needed doing, she figured she better finish things off with one big bang. I need me some creepers and crawlers, said Big Mama. Some runners and jumpers, some diggers and divers. Everybody else wants to get created. This here's your chance. Hedgehogs and night crawlers, raccoons and garter snakes, rabbits and polar bears. That's how Big Mama made them all. One big bang. But Big Mama still wasn't done, oh no. I'm lonely, said Big Mama. Who's going to sit on the front porch and swap stories with me? Not those creepers and crawlers, not those diggers and divers. They're good, all right, but not one of them can tell a story like a plugged nickel. And this little baby can only say so far as goo-goo-ga-ga. I need some folks to keep me company. So Big Mama, she scooped up some of that leftover mud, and she pushed and she pulled and she poked and she pried. Next thing you know, there's folks everywhere. Big folks and little folks, fat folks and thin folks, all kinds of shades of folks. And every one of those folks had a story to swap with Big Mama. That's good, said Big Mama. That's real good. And that's how the sixth day went by. With Big Mama and all those folks sitting on the porch and gabbing while the sun went down. Big Mama was ready for rest, all right. Ready to bundle up with that little baby verse and that big blue blanket of the sky. But Big Mama had one more thing to do. She lined up all those folks and she said, this is real nice, what we got here. And you all better take some good care of it. I'm taking off a day to rest now, but I'll be keeping an eye on you. That's what Big Mama said, all right. And you'd better believe she meant it. Every once in a while, when she's burping the baby or making cookies or rocking that little baby to sleep, Big Mama looks down and says, Better straighten up down there. And every so often, Big Mama looks down, 
on this nice little world she made. And she nods and she smiles and she says, that's good. That's real good. When Carla, when Carla wrote to me about this, she said, it has to be told with just a little bit of a southern accent. <laughs> and I couldn't imagine you doing it, and that was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carla. That was wonderful. So I need a prop this morning that I forgot. And the only thing I can think of that will work for that prop is a men's belt. It needs to be a belt that buckles. Would any of you men mind parting with the belt? Do you have one? Okay. Perfect. That'll be perfect. Thank you. Ooh, that's a pretty one, too. That'll work. All right. So, see that? One circle or two? One. See that? Two. So one of the things that that we work on really strongly at unity is going from two to one, right? What we're resolving in our work toward oneness is our duality. This is how easy it is. It's that simple to go from being two to one. Two. One. Were we ever not one? No. Never. It's a slight fold in the universe. When the divine goes from being one that we can easily perceive to two. But it's an illusion. It's just a turn. It's just a little bitty change. And this is true about everything we think we're separate from. Got it? Or do I need to show you again? <laughs> I think I'll hold on to it. Just in case. So when we use this form, we use it this way. Whenever we see this shape, we think of energy flowing between two things. So often we'll say me and God, and the energy flows, follows the arrows and flows, but really it's just one. We're just flowing energy around in a different direction. We've just folded it a little bit. We do the same thing with us and the earth. Oh, that's the earth and this is me. But the reality is it's the same thing. It's all one. And that's an important thing to know when we're talking about nature, that we and nature are the same thing. Last week, I shared with you that uh, Richard Louv, in his book, Last Child in the Woods, says, we're not people who have dominion over nature, nor are we the stewards of nature. We are nature. This is an important thing for us to consider. So today, I want to talk to you about the Gaia theory. How many of you are familiar with something called the Gaia Hypothesis. It was written and created, brought forth in science by a guy named James Lovelock. Now, there are some really important things. First of all, he didn't invent it. 
the the name Gaia comes from a Greek goddess who was anthropomorphized. That's a big word that means we personified the earth. We gave her a name. Her name is Gaia. And this comes out of Greek mythology. And that's where the stories of Mother Nature evolve. This is, this is one of the ancient beginnings of the stories of Mother Nature. And so in the late 1960s, James Lovelock wrote uh, scientific hypotheses around something called the Gaia, the Gaia principle. And what he said was that the earth is a living being. Now, scientists guffawed and said, that's crazy, that's not true. You are taking an old Greek mythology, a story from old Greek mythology and making it into something it's not. You can't have, you can't be a living thing unless you can reproduce. And the earth doesn't reproduce. And James said, well, mules don't reproduce either and we think they're living. Did you know that mules don't reproduce? No, they don't. Mules are a combination of horses and donkeys. And they do not reproduce. It, it is possible through artificial insemination to get a female to bear a child, to bear, to bear a colt, I guess it would be a colt. Uh, but they do not naturally reproduce. And we still think of them as living, don't we? So science kind of went, okay. <laughs> well, we're not sure we believe it. We're not sure we don't. What, what Lovelock was saying was something very interesting. He was saying that the biosphere regulates itself. That microorganisms take care of important things for us, like how salty the ocean is. That it only takes about a 2% change in salt in the ocean for us to be done on the planet. But the salt in the ocean is regulated by microorganisms. The quality of the air is regulated by microorganisms. The earth and its ability to bring forth life is regulated by microorganisms, which makes it a self-regulating system. And this is an important thing to think about because we don't see microorganisms. We don't recognize them. We don't see them as part of what we, the part of the earth that we live on. Several years ago, I had a wonderful opportunity to meet with a lady who was the head of the National Association for the Protection of the Prairie. And she said, in America, we have one of the greatest resources in the world. We have in the prairie field plants and microorganisms that will heal almost any disease, but we don't see it. All we see is grass. And so we burn through the prairie not even thinking about it. In the same way that we're in other countries, you know, taking down the rainforests. But we don't do a lot of publicizing of what goes on with the prairie. We don't recognize it for what it's worth to us. And we don't see what it does. We don't recognize that it's a natural filtration system for our water. That it stops erosion and captures water so that we have it. That it affects the cycle of uh, as the, as the, how the water turns for us. All of that happens because we have prairies. And this is the kind of thing that Lovelock was saying. He was saying this system is designed to take care of itself. And then in science said he was crazy. In 2007, the uh, Geology Society of London gave him a word, an award and said, you might actually know what you're talking about. 
what a great idea. This is really smart. What you're saying is really good. And then in about 2007, 2008, he put out a book and said, we're not going to live through the next century. We are not going to make it because climate change and the, the influence of humankind has caused so much damage that the natural biosphere can no longer regulate itself. And so, once again, science said, you're crazy. <laughs> and last year, in 2012, he said, maybe I made a little mistake. We're not experiencing what I thought we would experience. Believe it or not, the earth really is continuing to regulate. We are seeing problems, but they're not happening as quickly. And maybe, maybe, we still have time to do something. And he's, he wrote in amazement that we had not destroyed ourselves. This had not happened. And there was no scientific explanation, which is the part I want to get to. Remember this? Two, one. So what happens when people start working on oneness? What happens is that we start to recognize that not only are we part of everything, but everything we do makes a difference. And everything we think and everything we feel makes a difference. And so all across the world, people have been working for the last 30 years and longer than that, but very, very aggressively for the last 30 years to change the way they think. And this began with a process called the harmonic convergence. And followed through with all kinds of ceremonies and activities and classes. But the Fillmore's have been teaching it for over 100 years, haven't they? We are one and interconnected and interdependent and interreliant on everything. One with everything. And we can run our energy between this and that. And so... If we want to heal, we can focus our energy on one thing and heal it and come back to the oneness and then find something over here we want to focus on and come back to the oneness. And this is all that happens when we apply healing energy to each other or to the planet or to the water or to anything. We are taking our divine heart and pointing it in a direction. And then running our energy back and forth between that. And our energy is the energy of the divine because that's all there is. There isn't anything else. What else could there possibly be? What could there be but God? You heard the creation story. You heard it from Genesis last week. There is creation. Nothing in that story is horrible. Big Mama didn't create, any, create anything yucky. She, now, she did create some mess, didn't she? Because mud is kind of messy. And life is kind of messy. It's not always all pretty and, and packaged up with big bows. Anybody who's been at a birth can attest to this. One of the most beautiful, messy experiences in the world. Life is not always pretty. But we have a huge influence. We are connected to this process. And what we do with our focus and our intention makes a difference. And so when somebody wants to tell us, oh, it's all over. Humankind has pushed it past the tipping point. There's nothing else we can do. We have to remember who we are. 
we have to decide what we're going to take on as our belief. Do we believe that something has taken us away from the divine heart? That something has separated us from the one? Or is it just a fold in the universe? Is it just a perception that we're disconnected? We can fix it. We can fix it by changing how we think, which will change how we feel, which will change what we do. And Gaia is working with us. Whether you believe that Gaia is a living presence in your mind, big mama, baby on her hip, or you believe that Gaia is a scientific system, either way, Gaia is working with us. We are never disconnected from Gaia. I haven't figured out how to get my feet off the ground yet. Even in a plane, I have to have my feet on something. So we are connected always in this process. And our divine heart is connected to the divine heart of God. And as we create, we change things. And it becomes very tempting, very, very tempting to spend our time worrying, really worrying and fretting over what is not happening. What happens with the energy of worry and fret? Is it separate? No. It's the energy we're applying. We're focusing that energy on whatever it is. So when we become two and we focus on something, we either get to focus on healing or we get to focus on harming. We get to focus the belief that this can be better and we can change this, or we get to focus the belief that it cannot. And whatever we decide is what will really happen. Because what science has proven to us through many experiments is that how we think can affect something that is at great distance from us that we don't even know we're thinking about. There, there have been remarkable, remarkable experiments done from one continent to another. Blind experiments. What happens if you think about this? What's the result of the experiment? What happens if it's done by mechanics and no human being is involved in the process? And it changes. The result changes. Our thoughts affect the most minute possibility. So when we talk about nature and we take the time, and in this congregation, we talk about not just having a worship service and worshiping the divine, not just learning the ancient stories from all the different cultures, but we talk about walking as the living expression of the divine. Whether you see that as Jesus or you see that as Buddha or you see that as Krishna or you see that as whomever, Mother Earth, however you experience the divine we concentrate here on walking, embracing, expressing, and being that divine movement here on earth. And as such, we have responsibility for what we do. We have responsibility for how we think, and we have responsibility for what we create. And so in this month of nature, I invite you to see the beauty around you, to recognize what is happening with Gaia to see that she is a, a self-healing biosphere in the same way that your body knows how to heal itself. In the same way, all we have to do is work with her. 
And I invite you to think how you might do that better. Because it's important work, isn't it? It's the only earth we have. And our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren are relying on us to do that. A friend of mine here is a genealogist. And just, I had three generations back on my father's side, back into the late 1800s. And she just took me all the way back to the 1600s in Scotland. Remarkable to recognize your history. Remarkable for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. She took me back 15 generations, and I can see impact in my family from all of that. What will happen seven generations from us? What will we have done? This is the month that we think about that, that we walk as the holy being that we are, as the oneness we are, and that we unfold our duality and recognize that we truly can create a different kind of nature. We can care for this earth and leave it to our children much more healthy, much more safe, much more whole than it is today. I have some quotes for you. I guess I better give this belt back. (laughs) 